And as we continue in worship this morning, uh, would you please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. As we continue looking at uh, the, the letter to the Corinthians, we're going to cover some ground this morning. Um, verses 25 through 40, so we're going to wrap this up and you might be thinking, what's wrong? We usually don't cover that much, right? No, we're, uh, Paul has, has much to say, but he's, he says it succinctly in these verses and, uh, and I think it's best just to approach it that way. Um, and this is focusing on, on singleness. Paul's been talking about marriage and singleness and the benefits of that. And so the message this morning is simply the benefit of being single. Now, uh, if you're married this morning, I don't want you to think, sweet, I can just fall off here or go to sleep on me or something. Um, if that does happen, we will be calling your name out, okay? We'll call you out. No, we won't do that. Uh, but Paul's focus, and what you'll see as we unfold these, even though he's dealing with this question, there's some questions that have been written to Paul, and he says this uh, in verse 1 of chapter 7. It says, now concerning the things of which you wrote me, Paul's addressing these, these questions, and that's what he's doing here. And there's questions about being single and being married, but you'll see as we unfold this, um, Paul's heart, of, of course, right, is the gospel. Uh, it's your priorities, right? What is the most important thing? And the questions revolve around that, right? Whether you're single or married, and Paul is saying, look, if you're single, God may have given you the gift of singleness. That's a good thing, right? In our society, we think if someone's single, there's something wrong with them. That's not what the Bible says, right? It says it's a good thing. If you have this, if you have this call and gift on your life, stay this way. And then he turns around and says, but if you're burning with passion, get married, right? He makes that a mandate. But his heart behind all of this is, is the focus of what is most important. What are the, de the detractors and the things that take away from this dedication to Christ? Uh, you know, we have to be on, on point. You have to be focused. You have to have your priorities straight. And that's what really is his answer as we unfold this. It reminds me of the story of the gentleman who, uh, the men on their group, they went hunting together and uh, they went off in, in twos as the day broke, and, and they went out hunting, and as the night was coming to an end, uh, one of the gentlemen came back by himself with an eight-point buck, you know, a deer. He had been successful in his hunt, and the other guys looked at him and said, where's, and where's Harry? And he said, well, he had some kind of stroke a little while back, you know, a few miles back or so. And they looked at him and with, you know, being completely perplexed. You left Harry back on the trail, and you brought the deer Right? And to his answer, he says, well, I didn't think anyone would steal Harry. <laughs> priorities, maybe not completely correct there, but right, he's dealing with priorities. Uh, we're going to see throughout this is Paul's, Paul's heartbeat behind all of this. It's not simply about singles or marriage. It's, it's about uh, focusing upon the Lord. Uh, the text is quite, quite lengthy. I'm just going to go to prayer. Usually I like to read it, but I'll read it as we work through the points this morning. But uh, let's just offer a brief prayer. Lord, thank you once again for uh, this time that we can assemble together in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a lot of places we could be, but this morning, Lord, we are here. So we ask, God, that you would allow your spirit, Lord, to teach us from your word, to instruct us. Uh, that we would have these, these new insights and we would see them in application in our own life. And may everything, Lord, bring you glory and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Um, as we come to this text, you know, we, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Paul is addressing some questions, right? He, there's this, this church, this young church in Corinth, and there's people from, from the Jews who have become believers. There's people from the Greeks and the Gentiles who have come over who are believers. And there's this inter, intermix, right? And in Christianity, this, this early church is probably the only place in Rome where you could have slaves and, and free people and Jews and Gentiles who have been converted and, and males and females all in one place. I mean, it's really the church is unique, and it should be that way, isn't it? Even today, we should see it doesn't matter what Paul has been stressing. It doesn't matter your, your upbringing. It doesn't matter your color of your skin, your financial state in life. What matters is Christ, knowing Jesus, right? He is the way, the truth, the life. And so he's coming to this question, and their question is, you know, should we be married? Is it good to be married? You had the Jews who, who believe that, uh, you know, it's a mandate. You've got to get married, and you've got to have kids. That's fulfillment of, of the law, and the, and the Gentiles were on the other side. They had some philosophical different views regarding this. And they thought, you know what, the body profits nothing. We, should, we can actually be more devoted and dedicated to Jesus if we just stay single. right? And this is why he had to deal with so much on divorce. He's saying no, because people were going, you know what, I'm going to divorce my, my spouse. And I'm going get, you know, to get focused upon the Lord. And he says, no, this is not the case. And he gives us all that instruction. But this is their thinking, and this is what's going on. And Paul's answer is really simple, right? Both are good, right? There it is. Uh, we can pray and, and, uh, and leave now, no. But right, his, the answer is both are good. If you're married this morning, that is a good thing, right? And Paul talks about that. He talks about how, how we are to affirm and love each other, right? And of course, there's, there's uh, from, from the beginning of Genesis and how Jesus taught on it, and of course, in uh, other writings, it's, it's throughout Scripture, uh, but if you're here this morning and you're single, Paul would say the same thing. This is good. But he would say, remain as you are, right? Remain as you are. That's the theme of the, of the last message. Remain in your calling. Remain in the state that you are. He's going to say those same things again. Stay in the situation that you're at, right? Don't make all these changes. And he's going to begin to unfold this. And so the benefit of, of being a single is, is Paul, because he, he has told us, right? It's a gift. I wish, you know, more could be like me. Right? And if you know anything about Paul's life, you're going, no, 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 I don't want to sign up for any of that. Right? He's been, he's been shipwrecked, he's been you know, stoned and whipped, and he's, man, he's gone through it. But he was talking about the idea of singleness and this, this idea of dedication to Christ. That's what he's talking about. And so the benefit of being single, why does Paul say this? Because he's, he's explaining it, and then he goes through this, and this works through uh, the, the points this morning. And so my first point of the benefit of being single, of being focused and having your priorities straight, uh, what Paul is saying is because, point one, because of the present distress. That's what he says. And this is verses 25 through 27, and he says this. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to your wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from your, from your wife? Do not seek a wife. So here Paul begins this, and he says, now concerning virgins, and, and in, this, in the Greek text here, this is in the feminine case, but really Paul is including both. He has the idea, as we, as we unfold this passage, you'll see that a little bit more clearly, he's talking about those who have not been married yet, whether you're male or female. And he simply goes on and says, look, I don't have a direct command from Jesus. 
Jesus did not address this topic specifically. However, right, I have my own opinion on this, but the Lord has made me one who is trustworthy. So we simply shouldn't come to this, this passage of Scripture, and I don't think if anyone would do this, but we can't say, well, it's not authoritative, it's out. Uh, we know Paul is writing under the power of the Holy Spirit. This is no less inspired. This instruction for us today. And he simply says, I come, up, I come about this, not with the direct teaching of Christ, but he's adding to it for this specific situation. And he uses this word distress. Right? So we may think of that a little bit differently today. I'm not sure how you're thinking about it even now. You know, what kind of distress is he getting at? What is the present distress? You know, why is it better for a single person to deal with this distress, whatever it might be, than a married couple? I believe Paul it has the understanding here of, of persecution. That's the distress he's talking about, of being persecuted for being a follower of of Jesus. Paul had experienced this immensely already, right? He's come to this place and he's saying, look, it's just on the horizon. It's right around the corner. If you're not experiencing it right now, it could be. A lot of the, of the folks who began in the early church, uh, their lives were on the line, right? You could be killed for being a follower of Christ. This is the current distress he's talking about. The word itself means calamities. The word has been associated with the woes surrounding right the return of christ what will the world be like paul used this word to describe his own persecutions paul had been beaten, he'd been stoned he'd been shipwrecked goes on and on and this was the idea that that paul has in mind it's better if you're single to go through these distresses than to be married there's a benefit here because you're only looking out for yourself there was a story of a gentleman whose name was Paul Ratter, and he was uh, in ancient Rome, or in Rome at the times, and he was thinking to himself as he, as he was touring the Colosseum. And he's viewing the surroundings, and he's looking at this, and he's trying to just kind of put himself and his feet in the situation. What would it be like to be in this Colosseum and to have lions you know, seeking to kill me, to devour me, and the people roaring? He thought to himself, and he said, if I stood here, would I have the same conviction? Would I trust the gospel? Would I have this conviction that would actually place me in there, for one? And then how would I do uh, in that situation? As he goes on, he's thinking about this. He stops and he says, I prayed most fervently that in the Roman arena for the spirit of a martyr, that God would work in my heart. Somehow I would get a hold of the idea of what Paul was experiencing, the conflict, the distress that was there, that I might live this faith out. And so Paul has this idea as he's looking upon this, because we can simply say, well, in that day it is globally, right? Is, is Christ not persecuted? There's books written about it, whether it's Fox's books of martyr or the Jesus Freak books that talk of their own testimony of families who have been persecuted for Christianity. I remember reading a story and of the gentleman and his family, they were going to be uh, taken out back and shot, and his son hops out of the hole that the, the soldiers had placed him in, and, and he had ran off into the woods, and, and the, the father begged the, the soldiers to hold off. I'll get him to come back. And he goes and he pleads, and the soldier is the one who records this, and he pleads with his son, come, 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 come back. It's better to die with a family than to go on living by yourself. And the soldiers were, were kind of taken back by all of this, and the sun does come back, and they did go, and go forward and extinguish the family. 
this is the world. We don't hear of that stuff. And, and yet this is what's going on. And Paul's simply coming. There is a distress that you and I may face. It may not be as severe as this, but this is what he has on his mind. And he simply says, look, if you're married, there is concerns. If you have a spouse, you're going to think about your spouse. If you have children, you're going to think about your children. Some of you might even be thinking about that now. How would I operate in a situation such as this with my spouse or with my kids or with my grandkids? What would I think on that? And so Paul's not saying, hey, look, you need to process this whole thing and think through it. He's simply saying, in this life, this persecution, this kind of distress comes, and your devotion and your focus needs to be upon the Lord. How are you going to endure this? There's a a distress So I imagine as this group is sitting here reading this letter and they're working through it, Paul anticipates the next question. He's thinking, well, okay, if it's better, right, to be single, you can imagine that the Jews going and scratching their heads and going, no, no, that's against Scripture, right? They're working through this. And then, and then the, the Greeks go and see, maybe I, I told you, you know, those problems are coming, the stress, we should be this way. But Paul goes on, right? He kind of just, he, he knows what they're thinking. And he says, you know, the question is, well, what if you're married, right? What if we're married? Well, this is verse 28. He naturally answers this, and I'm calling it because there's a benefit to being single, because there's trouble in the flesh. And this is his answer. He says, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. You'll have trouble in the flesh. Now, Paul isn't against marriage, right? He'll probably say that a few times through this. He has already covered a lot of ground and talking about the benefits and how marriage should function. He's not against any of those things, and marriage is not sinful. Clearly, he has singles he's, he's writing to who are contemplating marriage. He's going to talk about that a little later, about how, what should fathers do? Should they give their daughters in marriage, right? What, what should we do with this? Right? This is unfolding, and it's all brand new. Christianity is brand new. They have nothing to reference. There's no church across. Hey, let's just email that church over there and find out what they did. Right? It doesn't work like that. And they're learning through letters and they're trying to figure all this out. So Paul is not against uh, marriage. That's still the, 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 the common status. right? But he simply comes and says, look, it would be better if you were a single because you're going to have problems in the flesh. And the Greek word here is sarks. Right? And it simply means human nature. Specifically, a fallen human nature, our fallen passions, the idea of being human or carnal. That's the, what the word means. You're going to have struggles in your flesh. And simply put, right, what, 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 what kind of troubles is this? Well, when you take one sinner who's redeemed by Jesus Christ and intimately uh, unite that sinner who's redeemed by Jesus Christ and put them together, uh, usually, I'm not going to make any eye contact, that could be trouble. Married couples go, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it, right? Yeah, we're not perfect. No one is. We're going to struggle through things. Oftentimes, we're going to operate in, in a selfish mode. We're going to concern ourselves and not think about our others. This is why Paul has stressed to us, what? You have been bought. You have been purchased, right? Don't, you're redeemed. You're free to live for Christ. Give your affection. Give your love to your spouse. He's walked us all the way through that. And so he tells the, the singles, look, look, it's going to be better for you because you're going to have problems in the flesh. Our humanness, our sinfulness is going to get in the way. I heard a quote one time that says, there is only one thing harder than living alone. 
That is with living with another person. That's tough stuff, isn't it? You know, marriage, marriage is normal, and it's not sinful. Paul tells us it's not sinful if we marry, right? He's very clear on that. You can see how their thinking will be, well, what do we do now, right? Should we stay single? Should I stay married? He just walks us through this and says, you have not sinned. But you have to understand, there's going to be problems. A married couple will have problems uh, they will face, right? Marriage adds responsibility. It adds care. It adds concern. It's a financial responsibility. There's things we could add to this. Marriage involves uh, thinking through difficult situations and how one would respond, how the other would respond, and making a decision and coming to a decision. All that involves with being married, right? All the married people say, yeah, that's how it works. But marriage is difficult. It can cause trouble. I love this quote from John MacArthur on this passage. He says, marriage is pressing two sinners together. And anytime you press two sinners together, there's trouble. Occasionally there's anger and selfishness, childishness, uh, childishness, stupidity, and that, that horrible sin that husbands commit, forgetfulness. So there's dishonesty, deception, pride, and thoughtlessness, overindulgence, self-centeredness. And what is that? That's one thing when it's your life, but how difficult is it for your partner to have to deal with your partner's own sin and yours also at such an intimate level? And he concludes by saying, that's trouble. I think he's on to something. I think he has that right. Paul is simply saying, if your priorities are Christ and your focus is to be Christ, and we know that for every follower of Jesus... And yet we know in marriage, Paul has given us instruction in Ephesians 5, right? The marriage represents the, the unity of Christ and his church. It's a visible res- representation of that, that wonderful mystery, right? So it's not that it's bad. And Paul simply says, look, uh, if you're single, it's a good thing. If you have the gift of singleness, it's a good thing. Don't allow others to take that from you because if you do decide to get married, that's not a sin. That's okay. But understand this. You're going to have troubles in the flesh. So he says this is one of the reasons. This is one of the benefits. So these families sitting and listening to, to Paul's letter are going, yeah, okay, I understand that, right? There's troubles. There's present distress in this world. There's troubles in the flesh, right? It's better and there's a better benefit for you if you stay single. He goes on in his letter. This is my third point, uh, which simply I said, because it's a benefit to be single because the world is passing away. So in verses 29 through 31, he says this. But I say this, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as those they did not rejoice. Those who buy as those they did not possess. And those who use this world as not misusing it. For from, or excuse me, for the form of this world is passing away. Paul is saying there is a benefit to being single because this world is passing away. He begins in verse uh, 29 by saying the time is short. You and I have no idea, right, when the Lord will return. It could, it could happen at any time. Uh, that could, is very possible, right, as we see things culminate in our society, as we see things kind of ramp up. We say, yeah, the time's coming. 
Uh, you know, we don't know if the Lord will call us home, right? He may, we may go out here, and I don't know why I always use the example, get hit by a bus. I don't mean anything, anything bad against uh, bus drivers, like they don't pay attention, but I use that example. We could go out and get hit by a bus. Uh, we don't know any of these things that could happen. And so Paul says, look, the time is short, right? Don't concern and consume yourself with marriage or singles. The time is short. Understand that. And he ends in verse 31 by saying this world is passing away and the word here is is a fashion it has the idea of a theater and you go to the movies and you watch the movie and as it ends and the movie ends it's kind of slowly fades out that's kind of the picture paul places here time is short marriage he is saying can be a distraction it can be a spiritual distraction and marriage itself is going to pass away don't be overly consumed with this so Paul is saying, look, it's okay. We have human emotions. God has made us with emotions. Uh, don't let that distract you from your spiritual responsibility. There's things in this life, that material things that, that we need. The Lord knows you need them, right? It's not that they're not bad things, but they should not become distractions, right? Worldly pleasures and then the joys of this life. Paul has touched on this, but they should not distract from your spiritual focus. And here comes marriage. Marriage should not distract you either, even though there's responsibilities. So Paul says this, right? Here's the attitude. Here's what we should be thinking. He says, if you have a spouse, you should live as though you do not have them. Now, he's not saying we don't live, don't have them, but he's saying, look, it's all passing away. I don't want you to get any wrong ideas on that statement there. Hey, pastor said, I don't have to respect you or treat you anymore. It's passing away. No, that's not what I said, right? But he goes on, he says, if we weep as those not weeping, if we rejoice as those not rejoice, if you buy. And so the idea is uh, there's different aspects, there's different understandings, but the Christian has this eternal uh, perspective attached to everything. You know, today, both non-believers and believers do what? They get married. And, and we say in the vows, it's death do you part, right? So we use this, hopefully we say that's how death do us part, and that's what Paul is saying in this passage. It's very biblical. But for a non-believer today, would look at this and say, well, death is the end of it. It's all done, right? An atheist might say, you know what, you, you believe in Jesus or you believe in, in there's some type of redemption because you only fear death. Maybe you've heard that. I've heard that multiple times. That's not the case at all. But both, right? Both believe death to his parts. The non-believer believes it ends, but the believer knows what? It doesn't end. There is an eternity attached, right, to death. And it's in one of two places. So Paul is saying, look, as a, as a single person, you have to understand this. That don't be so consumed in figuring out the, the marriage and figuring out the singleness. You know, be focused. Again, your priorities, you see it coming through. Be focused on what is more important, right? It's more important that you give manners to, to presenting Christ, right? Because eternity is in the balance. Think of those who go on to perdition, who don't know Christ. We should be giving time to that and telling them about Jesus, right? You should be focused on this. It's like the story of, of the statesman who is having a conversation with a young college graduate, and he asked this question. He says, uh, you know, what are you going to do uh, for your future? What are your plans for the future, and the college student said, I planned uh, to continue in college until I graduate with a degree in law. And the statesman said, well, what then? I said, then I, seek, I will seek some employment in a legal firm and, and gain some practical experience. And he said, well, what then? Well, then I shall open up my own law office uh, and I'll have several other partners. And of course, what then, he asked. 
says, then I will marry and raise a family. What then? Then I will retire and live out the rest of my life in peaceful country cottage. Sounds enjoyable, right? And he says, well, what then? Well, I suppose, I guess I die. To which he responds, what then? The young man, who says in the story, was paused for a moment. And he said, I don't know. To which the statement replied, well, you haven't really thought about your future at all, have you? <laughs> Too often we think of it, right? It's just this. It's just here. And Paul has his eternal perspective. He's saying whether you're single or married, it's fine. It's okay. It's good. It's better to be single. There's a benefit here because you don't have to be distracted with these things because you have an internal perspective on all of this. You can give your time, your attention to the Lord. So you would say, again, marriage is important. Paul has talked about the importance of marriage, the, the, the inner working right of marriage, the love and respect circle of marriage. And he said, this is it in Ephesians 5. And he's talked about, you know, husbands, give affection. There's affection to your spouse. And your body doesn't belong to your own. It belongs to the other. And he's talked about all of these things. So we don't want to arrive at this and go, well, it's, it's, it's for nothing. No, it's very important. And I would add to this, I think it's, you know, if you want to see your, your marriage succeed and grow, well, then focus on becoming a better follower of Christ. That's, that's the heart of it. But Paul is saying marriage is passing away, just like all these other things. And so the, the answer for us and the encouragement for us, right, pursue Christ. Whether you're single this morning, pursue Christ. Right? If you're burning with passion, yeah, get married. It's a mandate. But pursue Christ. If you're married this morning, then pursue Him. Right? Pursuing Christ takes care of your uh, human emotions. It puts the right perspective on life and decisions. Uh, it gauges us and controls us and directs us. Right? Christ. Follow Christ. As Paul says, there is wonderful benefit to being single. And he goes on from there in verses 32 through 34, which I'm, which I'm simply saying, because a single person, there's a benefit here, can fully devote, right, or be fully devoted to the Lord. Absolutely. He says, but I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares, here's, there it is, right, for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may uh, be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is, who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. The one who is married, right, if Paul is saying, uh, is free from this responsibility, free from the attention that is, that is necessary, right, that is biblically mandated. The free person has flexibility, right? The free person can think of all these decisions, right? As, a, as you think of a, of a college person going on through career, you know, where I'm going to go to school, what kind of career I'm going to seek, uh, what church I'm going to attend, right? All those kind of things. It's just one person prayerfully working through them. But for a married couple, right, they have to discuss through them. And that's simply what Paul is saying. Giving time and devotion to the Lord. The unmarried man, right, can be focused on the Lord. But if, but if he's married, well, he must, biblically, right, give attention to his wife. Likewise, is what he's saying, the unmarried woman can be focused upon the Lord. 
Now, it's important, right? We must remember what Paul says about marriage, right? It's, it's important to give affection. I'll just put these verses in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 7. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Marriage is important. And Paul is saying, look, you can be fully devoted and give your full attention to focusing on what the Lord has for you. Where does he want you to go? Questions like, you know what? I can serve him here. I can serve him in my church. I can serve him on the other side of the globe. Right? We don't have to raise twice as much money to go do that. I can go do those things. Now, if God's calling a couple to the mission field, I believe wholeheartedly he'll provide. Right? That's not going to stop us. But Paul is simply saying, we can give attention, full focus to what the Lord desires of me. And as he goes on from here, we see this is my last point this morning. <clears throat> There's a benefit to being uh, single because they can serve the Lord without distraction. Not only are we fully devoted to him, but there's no distractions. And Paul says this in verses 35 through 40. He says, And this I say for your own profit, not that I may be put on a leash on you, excuse me, not, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly towards his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, letting them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to marry to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. In verse 35 here, Paul shares and gives us right the, the statement showing something of his purpose. Right, It's for your profit. It's for your gain. There is benefit here. And Paul says, you know, it's interesting. He says, I don't want to put a leash on you. I don't want to come and put something on you. I don't want to, to, to tie you down with some type of legalism or some type of restraint that says this is how you got to go about it. He simply says no. And if you're a, 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 you know, a father here today and, you're, and your daughter is contemplating marriage or your son is contemplating marriage, he says it's better if they stay single, but there is, uh, if they must marry, it's okay. I don't want to come and put a leash on this. I don't want to come with some legalistic thing. You have to do it this way. Remember Paul has said singleness is a gift. Charisma is the word he uses. It's a gift to stay this way. He says if you do well, right, if they marry, it's not sin. It's a good thing. But if they, they stay single, it's even better. That seems completely contrary to our society, doesn't it? That seems completely, totally upside down. We live in a society that says, no, it's, it's, it's you know, stay single, but experiencing all the things of, of marriage, right? As much as you can with as many people as possible. So this thought of coming and saying, staying single, staying a virgin, staying it this way, if that's a gift. Paul says you're free from it. That's a very good thing. That is a God-given gift. Understand that you're free from the distractions of this world. You're free to devote yourself to the Lord. You don't have to worry about any of the problems of decision-making, the problems that come within the flesh. You don't have any of that. But if you're burning with passion, right, get married. 
So Paul comes to this, and he, as he unfolds all of this, and he kind of ends with this idea of why, why should we look at it this way? Why is it better if someone stays single? And he says, you have to realize that in marriage, right, it is permanent. Think through all of it. Think through all the decisions. Work through, go through counseling, right? Work through all these things because marriage is permanent. This is like his exclamation point to the passage. Be in it for the long haul, right? You're in it to the end. He says in verse 39, a wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives. But if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the Lord, right? Christian marriage, marry another believer. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. I think I also have the Spirit of God. Paul simply says, marriage uh, is a lifelong commitment. You're in it for the long haul. It's a permanent endeavor. Pursue it. In this passage, and in course, in, there's, you know, the, Jesus mentions in Matthew 19, the exception. Right? There is one exception, and that is um, an affair, sexual union with someone else. Jesus says, for this and this alone, there is one exception to marriage. Paul goes on and says, and he's talking to these couples who, who are married, they've been married, both are non-believers, and, they, and one comes and believes on Christ and the other doesn't. He says, if that spouse is willing to stay, stay in that marriage, but if that one leaves, understand that's abandonment. So there's only two exceptions in Scripture, but other than that, Paul says this is it. There's unrepentant adultery and an unbelieving uh, spouse who departs. The Christian is free from that bond. So Paul says, look, you need to understand the importance of all of this. Dedication, priorities to the Lord. Focus on what is most important. Understand that dedication and, and pursuing Christ. Does that mean we, the married couple is far superior or the single person is superior spiritually to any of these things? The answer, of course, is no. There's an idea that's saying, well, if we're single, we can do, yes, you're, you're free from these distractions, you're free from, from these struggles, but it doesn't make you a better spiritual uh, person for the Lord. Paul is simply saying you can focus on these things. There is a benefit here. It's why I use that word. There's a benefit to being single. You can avoid the distress, right, of being care or caring about others or problems in the flesh or things in the world. All this stuff's going to pass away. You can simply focus upon what the Lord has and what He has for you. But if you're married here this morning, the encouragement is simply that, right? Let your marriage so magnify, right, this wonderful mystery of Christ and His church. Live in such a way as you give your life, right? The husband is the, the Christ figure to the church. He is to sacrificially love his spouse. That means caring more for the other. And the wife is to submit. That's what Ephesians chapter 5 Paul is talking about. And if we ever have a moment of thinking those are, are beneath me, whether you're a husband or a wife, simply pause and think about they were neither one of those were beneath Christ. He sacrificially loved us. He went to the cross. And in that garden, he prayed not his own will, but the Lord's will be done. That's the example. Our focus, whether you're single or married, is to be upon the Lord. And so Paul addresses these questions. He's helping this church along. How do we think through this? How do we understand this? How do we understand the influence from from Jews who say we have to get married? This is the fulfillment of Scripture. And the Greeks who are saying, you know what? No, we need to stay single. Paul says both are good. Both have their place. Both are important. 
but the focus over all, over all of it is Christ. So let our focus be there. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this word this morning, and um, we thank you for the truth behind it. Lord, we know that you are faithful and you are good, and you've, you've begun a good work in us. We know that you are faithful and good, and that you will not depart that good work, but you'll walk us through it, you'll shape us and make us in what you'd have us to be. And I pray, Lord, this morning for those who, who, uh, who are single, who are contemplating marriage and life and career and those things. I pray, Lord, that you, by your Spirit, would speak and encourage and challenge, maybe, grow them. But Lord, let their eyes be fixed upon you. And I, and I pray that for our married couples today as well. We'd see the, the seriousness, the importance of marriage. That we'd understand, Lord, there is, there is a responsibility to the spouse, to the children, the grandchildren, whatever might be uh, there, Lord. But there is a responsibility. And I pray, Lord, regardless of, of our um, position in, in that regard, I, I pray that our, our dedication and our priorities and our focus would be Christ. That if we're single this morning, Christ would be uh, number one, my focus and my intent. And that's through Christ, through, through prayer, I would make decisions in life, what you have me to do. And I pray, Lord, that Christ would be the, the center, Lord, of, of every marriage here. That, God, all our eyes would be fixed upon you. And that we would be more concerned about uh, what Christ desires and how Christ desires to shape and move me, how I would get in line with your word, the changes that are necessary that are needed. I pray, Lord, that if there's moments of, of thinking about a marriage, if we're single, I pray, Lord, this passage would come to mind that we'd understand it. Biblically understand, Lord, uh, the importance of, of, of marriage, the magnitude of it. And I pray, Lord, for the married couples this morning who might be struggling, might be working through this and thinking, God, I don't, I don't know if we survive another week. I pray, Lord, that you would minister by your spirit, that you would challenge, encourage, that you would turn eyes, God, to you. This commitment, Lord, first and foremost, was to you and then to each other. It's a double dedication. So, Lord, I pray that you would make us mindful of that. Let us repent of our sins. Let us come together, focusing upon the Lord. And Lord, may you become, if you're not, the priority. We thank you for loving us. And Lord, I know that, that you desire to give mercy and you desire to give forgiveness. You desire to be the center of our lives. It's not something we have to, to uh, hope that happens, but we can have confidence when we come and we confess. Lord, you are able and just. You forgive, you restore us who you are. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you that there is none other like you and that because you live, because you live, regardless of the trouble and the context of life, we know that you hold us. Thank you. We can face today. We can face tomorrow. We can face the singleness. We can face marriage. We can face it all because you are God. And we thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this all in the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.